Hello and welcome to Neurodiverse Noise. I'm here today with Freddie. Hi, I'm Freddie. Tell us about yourself. What are your pronouns? How old are you? And some fun facts. So I am 22 years old and my pronouns are they them and I am obsessed with Taylor Swift and the Gilded Age and I also crochet. That is amazing. What are you working on? I see you're working on something. I'm working on a scarf for Christmas presents. I have to get started earlier. I, I, I won't get them all done. That's very fun. So what is your neurodivergence? So I have ADHD, autism, and generalized anxiety disorder. I got diagnosed when I was 14. So with all of that at the same time, it was pretty fun. It was a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I'm just autistic and ADHD. So we're going to discuss a bit about spoon theory. In your words, what is spoon theory? So actually it originated, I believe, in the chronic illness community where every day you have a certain number of spoons that you can use to do things. And they call it spoon theory because think of it as a drawer full of utensils and you have to take out a spoon in order to do something. And you can eventually you'll completely run out of spoons and then you can't really do anything and it could cause a meltdown if you continue to push yourself or even burnout. So just realizing how many spoons you have and making sure you don't run out, it's very important. And uh, the autistic community have kind of adopted that as well from the chronic illness community because it's the same way with our executive dysfunction. So what would be an example of how you would like apply spoon theory to your everyday life? So usually I, I use, I talk about spoons all the time. I will be doing things all day and driving and someone will ask me to do something. Can you go pick this up? I'll be like, nope, I'm out of driving spoons. I can't drive anymore because if I do go drive, then I will be out of spoons and then I will have a meltdown potentially. Who do you think can benefit from the education on spoon theory? I think everyone, like autistic people, definitely, um, and and even people who um, know autistic people and care about them those kind of people in your life, they should realize that we do have our limitations because we do have a disability. And the spoon theory helps visualize that. How does knowing about spoon theory help you in your everyday life? Well, before I learned about spoon theory, I would just push myself, push myself, push myself, and then to a certain point, I would get really irritated and agitated, and I couldn't figure out why, because I can't really read my own cues for my body, which is pretty common with autistic people. So once I started visualizing out spoons, I could be like, I can see me taking a spoon out to do each certain task, and then I know how many spoons I have left for the rest of the day. Does that commonly help you avoid burnout or meltdowns? Yes, it does help me avoid burnout. And by advocating for myself and saying I'm out of spoons, um, it's better than just saying, oh, I don't want to do that, or I can't do that right now. But if you give them a reason, I am out of spoons, I can't do that thing, I might be able to do it tomorrow, or I might be able to do it later after I have some rest, because the spoons can be rejuvenated in some cases. What advice do you have for someone who wants to educate either a parent, a guardian, or just a friend that knows them that is neurotypical on spoon theory? Basically, I would say to tell them to imagine it like like what I said, like a drawer full of spoons, and say, taking a shower takes away one spoon. Uh, uh, Cleaning the kitchen takes two spoons, and doing a load of laundry takes a spoon. And 
you can you only have so many spoons and each day it's a different amount of spoons because every day is different and sometimes we have over sensory days or just feeling tired from whatever reason and yeah now to the fun part what are your special interests i have a special interest in tablestrip and the gilded age and crocheting what is your favorite Taylor Swift song? My favorite Taylor Swift song is Ivy, and Ivy is on her right uh, album Evermore, and it's kind of about an affair, and it's like a woman in an unhappy marriage, and she has an affair with this secret second person, and I liked, the thing about Taylor Swift that I like the most is like, you can interpret her songs as much as you want to. She leaves them pretty vague, but also, they also like hit you in a place in the heart where it's like that's my situation i know what she's going through she knows me she gets me and it really creates that uh i i can't say anything other than like it's like we have a parasocial relationship with her because that's how she communicates with her fans is by writing down messages in her songs and do, and then i will go and decode it and do like a literary analysis on it so I actually came here with some knowledge on the album of Evermore, but not in the way that most people have knowledge on it. I assume you know this, but did you hear about the conflict that she had with the theme park Evermore? No, I didn't. Lovely. Then I came here with background knowledge that you don't yeah, even, even have. Um, so there's this weird theme park. It's weird is the only word I can think of. Not in a negative way, just in like a... I watched a three-hour documentary and everything was interesting, so there's too much too much to start. But it was like themed kind of like a Renaissance fair, but it was meant to be a theme park, and it ended up just being like a role-playing park. And they they've been called Evermore since their beginning. And at one point, when Taylor Swift came out with her album, they made conflict with her on Twitter, and they wanted to sue her for taking their theme park, their little theme park, I think it's in Ohio or something, oh. and stealing it for her album. And I just think that's funny because she's like this big mm-hmm. um, music artist and they were like the small little theme park and they said that she stole from them. I think they ended up getting a cease and desist or something. Yeah, because it, it doesn't make sense why they would try to sue her because it's two different things. It's an yeah. album and a theme park. They're obviously not going inter- to overlap that much. I know it's a little bit about copyright laws and each copyright law is for that specific, like, uh, say you have a brand, like Colgate toothpaste. You can't use Colgate for toothpaste or anything toothpaste adjacent, but if you wanted to make, like, a car company and name it Colgate, you could, I think. <laughs> Most likely. I mean, cars and toothpaste are different enough, mm-hmm. I feel. What is something that people don't know about Taylor Swift that you want them to know? Um, she's my best friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> um... Basically, I think a lot of the discussion around Taylor Swift is that comparing her to other female artists or even male artists when I don't really even see her as like a, your normal like music maker. To me, she's more of a poet. She writes beautiful, well-crafted songs, and that's really what got her in the industry. She used to not be able to sing very well, and she but she just wrote song after song after song and didn't stop and worked really hard to get where she is today, and she's worth millions of dollars and goes on tour every weekend. Her hard work, it's, I really look up to her because she worked so hard to make her life what she wanted. What is your favorite Taylor Swift fact? Like, little fun fact. Um, oh, so in 
her album Folklore, she has this song called The Last Great American Dynasty, and it's a story about Rebecca Harkness. And uh, it's a story about Rebecca Harkness and how she bought this house. And this Rebecca Harkness also kind of lived in the Gilded Age. So that's kind of how I got into it a little bit. Um, so she, and then Taylor Swift actually bought the house that Rebecca Harkness lives in. So that's kind of where my two main special interests overlap. So what, moving on, that's a good segue um, into what is your interest in the Gilded Age? What is so interesting about it to you? I personally, I love the architecture. I love the art style. I just love everything about their society and how it worked and just their clothing, all of like the social cultural stuff during that time period. Obviously, I do not like the politics side of things because that was not a good time, but it's just, I will spend hours looking at houses that are needed to be renovated with like the beadwork and the paneling and it, it's it's just so pretty and I really my one of my goals was to restore an old house to persuade it for future generations hopefully from around the Gilded Age time period so for those who probably don't know what is the Gilded Age like years wise numbers so I believe so the Gilded Age specifically is mostly referred to as like America, like Victorian England, the Gilded Age is like Victorian England, but in America, if that makes sense. But it's, it was much shorter. It was like 1870s to 1910, I believe. So it's just a short little time period. And it was marked with like the uh, railroad company was exploiting workers and taking all their money and labor, like labor laws. And it, the people who had all this fancy stuff we're not good people, but I, I something about the art style is like it just gets stuck in my brain, and you know, I have a special interest in it. Is there anything defining about the Gilded Age that you'd like people to know that they probably don't? For me, mostly it's the architecture style. There's this one specific type of house, it's called a Queen Anne style home, and it has like turrets, and they're usually really bright colored, and it's just it looks they're beautiful and pocket doors they have those on the inside and rather like the paneling on the stairs and pendants on the ceiling the reason i like the gilded age so much is because of the attention to detail everywhere you look you find a little hidden detail like they would um, make custom uh drain spouts that are shaped like little gargoyle heads and just put them on side so you can go around these areas and see like every single thing was thought of and somebody worked hard to make that with their hands because I'm sure not very many things were industrialized by that point. Maybe though. I haven't looked into it. But just like people who have worked their whole life to create something and now they're long gone and I really like the idea of trying to preserve that art and house and stuff. That is really cool. I feel like I like history and whenever I hear about history I like the idea of looking into it but I'm so stuck in my ways with like my Hannibal and my music that it's so hard for me to get into a certain time period as like a hyperfixation or a special interest mm -hmm. so I feel like an interesting thing would be looking at architecture considering art is one of my big like hobbies mm -hmm. I, I love architecture I think it's beautiful my favorite artist does like mainly architectural pieces of like just like really detailed drawings of like 
castles and like cool buildings and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason that I got into guild ages because of what I said earlier, the Rebecca Harkness story in the last Great American Dynasty. Um, but another thing that happened was I, for a short period of time, watched the Grand Budapest Hotel every day for two weeks, sometimes more than once a day. I was kind of hyperfixated on it. And so I wanted to look up what hotels are like the Grand Budapest Hotel because I would love to stay in a hotel like that. Turns out it wasn't real. That was disappointing. But when I looked it up on YouTube, there was this mansion that popped popped up. It's called Linwood Hall. It's the largest Gilded Age mansion that's still intact, not destroyed, because they destroyed a lot of the old uh, houses because who wants to live in a giant empty mansion full of like fancy stuff? Besides me. <laughs> I feel like that sounds awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. But they, I saw this guy, and he did a tour of the entire house. And I, I, like, that, that was it. I was hooked. And then I, I found out that there's a show on HBO Max about the Gilded Age. And I have watched that three times. It's so good. It has like uh, Patrick Page, uh, Christine Baranski, um, I forget the other girl's name. Yeah, but it has a lot of like pretty well-known actors and actresses in it. And it was really good. It's like a historical drama written by the same p- person who wrote Downton Abbey, which I'm currently trying to finish watching. But it's in, in England, so my brain is like, no, this is not the Gilded Age. You can't watch this. You have to watch the Gilded Age. It has to be in America. <sighs> what show is it? It's called The Gilded Age. Oh, it's just called The Gilded mm-hmm. Age. That's interesting. Yes. And um, it was really funny because um, before I had my, my, because I've liked Taylor Swift my whole life, but I, there was periods where I would like phase away from that as she's like not releasing music consistently. So w- before my, my Taylor Swift uh, special interest got kicked back up again, right right before Folklore Evermore, I had a musical theater hyperfixation or special interest, and so I loved all the different actors and actresses. I could name a bunch of them, um, but actually, there's a lot of Broadway actors and actresses in. The Gilded Age and Nathan Lane is in it too, and that's a pretty big name. It's a really good show, um, and they're about to release season two, and I'm super excited. I'm gonna watch it sometime. Do you have any other Taylor Swift related comments? So, really, lately I have heard I don't know the whole details on it because it kind of makes me upset, but she's apparently started dating this guy who's racist, Maddie Healy from the 1975. She's dating him. She broke up with a boyfriend of six years and then immediately started dating this guy. And it's really hard for me to be like, justify that because it's like, on one hand, she's allowed to date who she wants to. But on the other hand, she stands up. She says she stands up for feminism. She stands up against racism. She stands up politically. And she said that before. But she then she turns around and dates somebody who has made racist comments and also ate raw meat on stage, apparently. I used to like the 1975, and I still, I have this weird thing with music, where it's like, if I like the music, but if the artist is bad, I feel like I can't listen to the music ever, because I don't really believe in separation separation of the art and artist if they're still making money on it. I, I, I feel like I don't really justify, like, I don't listen to McCafferty because the lead singer was an abuser. I don't listen to, like, a few different bands to, because they're still getting profit off of the 
thing that they created mm -hmm. and even if I did separate the art from the artist I couldn't justify it to myself to like give them money so it just I I don't know how I feel about the 1975 anymore because I don't know much about the Maddie Healy situation mm -hmm. but the second I hear someone has made racist comments I'm inclined to obviously believe the victim or believe the like mm -hmm. group that they were offending to so it's just like I don't listen I haven't listened to the 1975 in months but I don't have the energy to look into the situation so yeah it, it makes me super upset to think about that situation so I I'm kind of just like ignoring it and so much of what Taylor does is manufactured she had she does everything for a reason she plans her life out for years in advance and she's told us that she does that so I kind of am hoping this is kind of PR or something like to get more like controversy around her because she, I have no idea why she would want to date this guy he does not seem like a great type but what I'm not I'm, just, I'm personally I can't really like I'm not gonna stop listening to her but I definitely hold like I it definitely has changed my view of her like you stand up so much for all of these political things and she speaks out against the Roe versus Wade situation and she's endorsed certain politicians in Tennessee that are not Republican and but then she turns around and dates Matt Healy so it's kind of a weird situation it definitely it it is a weird situation and I think things being special interests complicates it so much because I feel like for me, I have a special interest in a band that I won't name for a situation, and I stopped listening to them recently for a situation that is still unclear, so I also won't bring it up. But the thing about special interests and like stopping special interests is like you can't stop it yourself. They have to kind of fade out. So like, at least for me. So when it comes down to like morals versus special interests, I'm not gonna stop having the special interests because I can't, but I can like, I, it, as upsetting as it is, I kind of had to distance myself from media of that band, mm -hmm. which really sucks because I, ideally I would be able to enjoy the media and like when I have a special interest, it's all I think about. It's like my special interest. I go into and I YouTube and I watch interviews and I like see them live or like if it's a show, I like know everything about the actors and it's just it's frustrating when because they're people, they fuck up because then mm -hmm. it's like all of this negative light is on the thing that you love with your whole heart and it feels like your whole heart is under scrutiny and it sucks and because autistic people have such a strong sense of justice they're like what is good and what is bad and it's so rigid black and white as soon as well i would at least for me i have a another special interest in harry potter i actually have a harry potter tattoo it's the little stars from the book i'm gonna get it covered up because of what happened with jk rowling um She's just, I stopped engaging in any Harry Potter stuff as soon as that stuff came out. I just, it, that's like what you said, you can't separate the art from the artist. And that's pretty much the only special interest that I had that I was just able to go, no, I'm done. I, my first ever special interest in like memory was Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. So from the ages of probably like, I, I want to say eight, but younger than eight, probably, like, as soon as I formed memories, I fell in love with Harry Potter. I fell in love with the story, I fell in love with the, the characters, and, like, just everything was so... It just clicked in my brain somehow. So, I, I'm very lucky and very fortunate that I fell out of that special interest before 
the things with J.K. Rowling came out because I can only imagine the like pain and suffering of like everyone, but also specifically the autistic community, the autistic trans community. Mm-hmm. That's just like this is my special interest, but she is doing all these things, and like at first it was unclear, but now it's just she's a turf. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it doesn't because I've seen so many autistic people who have special interests in Harry Potter. That's like one of the big main ones, like trains or Harry Potter or whatever it may be. Um, dinosaurs, that's another one. And knowing that the autistic community also has a higher likelihood of, or has a higher percentage of transgender pe- people than the autistic community, it's like, it feels like she's kind of shooting herself in the foot, you know, because she's distancing herself from people who have that strong sense of justice and know what they will not do what's wrong if they don't if they think it's wrong and so now she's obviously she's not any worse for wear long term she has millions of dollars billions probably but yeah she is one of the rare times that a creator of art has like ruined the art for like most everyone because I feel like you don't see many transphobic Harry Potter fans and when you do like it's just it's and it feels like an abnormality at least I've found the good part of the Harry Potter community when I was back in my special interest I didn't encounter many like bigoted Harry Potter fans I know there were like more opinions on it whenever like the movies first came out they're like why did you make this character gay or why did you make this character black but like it was just my time in the Harry Potter community was just full of like fan fictions and like the actual media being good and pure and lovely and then it feels like everything kind of just turned around whenever she decided hey I'm gonna be vocal about this. I think people like to make fun of people with special interests or like they use to call them obsessed or they like call autistic people who engage in media with their special interests they say brighten your horizons but if this thing brings you joy at the end of the day you're not a bad person for that mm-hmm. like i know um we were talking about the harry potter situation and that's kind of what led to this like your special interest in harry potter doesn't make you a bad person mm-hmm. there's ways to engage with it that would make you morally questionable like saying jk rowling's right okay <laughs> then we can have the discussion but i feel like at the end of the day your special interest is yours and it if it makes you happy you should mm-hmm. like engage in it in a healthy way and be happy cringe culture is dead cringe culture is very dead i hate the idea of cringe culture Mm -hmm. like i was one of the people that was like consumed in the whole like oh that's cringe i can't do that thing Mm -hmm. but now i wear spider webs under my eyes and makeup and like dresses and shit and i have facial hair so it's like not exactly the most subtle thing you can do but if it makes you happy don't worry about being subtle or other people's thoughts just kind of do it as long as it's not hurting yourself or others. And that kind of reminds me, like, into cringe culture. I read this book. It's called Unmasking Autism by Dr. Devin Price. And it just goes into how when we, as autistic people, get too caught up in that cringe culture thing, it can be detrimental to us because we need our special interests in order to thrive and do things that we don't want to do, like, say... I hate making phone calls, personally. I will put off making a phone call as long as possible. And because it takes so many of my spoons, and when I'm engaging with my special interests, it's easier for me to do those hard things. Versus if 
I thought I was cringe with my special interest. Like, oh, I listen to Taylor Swift all the time. I'm so cringe. Then I would feel bad about it. And then it would lead to depression and bad things like that. I think special interests, a lot of people do take for granted, like you said, that special interests are important. Like, special interests are, in, I, I'm trying to find another word that's not important. They're, like, essential. vital, essential, yes. all of the things to autistic people, because sometimes that's the only thing that brings you joy. Autistic people are, like, I forget all the statistics, but, like, statistically more likely to experience, like, low levels of depression and, like, high levels of anxiety, like, very, like, low levels and then, like, very low mood and very high anxiety, so it's very difficult to, like deal with your emotions and feel your emotions when there's no healthy coping outlet and special interests have always been that for me where it's just like i can pour my life's mission or my life's soul i whatever my everything i can just pour it all into hannibal and make hannibal art and watch hannibal and quote hannibal and like do all of these different things and like it may seem stupid or cringe to other people but everyone has their thing and when you're autistic your thing tends to be something that is a little more intense than others that doesn't make you bad or cringe or gross or any of these things it just means it's what makes you happy and it's what's intense for you so i don't know where i was going with that i just really like the idea of social interests and yeah. they make me so happy yeah and it's like i i think a lot of holistic people don't realize how much we hold ourselves back because we our whole lives were like oh you're talking about taylor swift again how much you only listen to taylor swift you only ever talk about taylor swift but it's because my brain is always thinking about it yeah it's like whenever something somebody brings up something mildly related my brain like hopscotches mm -hmm. to taylor swift and i'm like did you know this blah, 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 blah. someone said we our hand my hands are tied and i said oh that's just like the taylor swift song <laughs> dancing with my hands tied so it's just it's always connected in some way. I feel like that is the healthiest way for me to engage with media mm -hmm. is when I'm able to relate it back to things and be like, oh um, that one quote reminds me of that other one quote by Hannibal. Like mm -hmm. I feel like when I don't have something like that, I don't feel like myself. When I'm not mm -hmm. able or around people that let me bring up these things or reference these things or like tie back to these things I feel stunted and I feel like this isn't I'm held back and I'm not able to do everything that I need to do like you said it takes more spoons making phone calls when you're not like engaging with mm -hmm. Taylor Swift I feel the same way about like my special interests where it's like it takes more spoons to exist when I can't casually reference little mm -hmm. things like that and a lot of being raised or knowing looking back at my childhood being autistic um and hearing all the different people like oh, why don't you talk about something else why do you only talk about greek mythology over and over again that's all i think about i'm sorry i can't think of anything else and i think um looking back at my childhood i think i have the same like kind of deal where it's all, I didn't know how to healthily have a special interest, so it was all that thing all the time, and I had no variety, but at the end of the day, that's really what got me through, like, the worst points in my life, is having such intense thought processes about, like, the things that I would talk about, and people would get annoyed with me, and, like, it felt like people hated me, but, like, at the end of the day, I couldn't stop, and yeah. it was, like, it was what got me through my lowest level of depression, my special interest was 21 Pilots and talking about them and listening to their music and making fan art and owning CDs and just sometimes just looking at 
like pictures of them was like enough to mm-hmm. like get me through the night or get me through the school day or whatever so it just feels very like looking back i wish i would have known what it was sooner mm-hmm. so i could have like articulated hey i'm not trying to be annoying i just have a special interest yeah and another thing about autistic people we take our special interests they're our special interests so when somebody expresses like oh i hate taylor swift i hear that a lot I like if you hate Taylor Swift, I'm not going to be your friend. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can, because one, there's no reason. Two, it's all I want to talk about, so we're not going to get along. Yeah, I feel like I I don't experience this very common experience of gatekeeping my special interests. I hear that's very common. I don't usually experience that unless I know you're going to enjoy it in a way that is like making fun of it. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to, I like making fun of movies as much as the next guy. But if I were to sit down and watch Hannibal with, say, my brother, who like makes fun of everything he consumes. That's not how I enjoy Hannibal. I enjoy Hannibal by dissecting it and mm-hmm. analyzing it and, like, consuming it. Yep. So, which is a very Hannibal way to enjoy Hannibal, if you've never seen Hannibal, um, person listening. But um, it just, it feels very, well, where was I going with this? I don't remember. I got distracted. But It feels like you're being, like, personally attacked. Yeah, it feels like a personal attack, and it feels like... Even though I know I'm not the writer or the producer or an actor in this show or movie or band or whatever, it just feels like this is what I dedicate my life to and you are not you are not there with me. Yeah, so. you're not supportive of my special interests. And that's a lot of the reason why uh, neurodivergent people stick together and we like attract each other because we can recognize like this person only likes talking about talks no sorry this person only likes talking about outlander i only like talking about taylor swift we can trade and i can be like did you know that taylor swift did this thing no i didn't that's so cool did you know this thing happened in outlander and like we swap our special interests so we were able to talk about it because so so often you can talk for three minutes straight and then a holistic person tunes out immediately yeah i feel like i struggle with my relationships in everyday life with holistic people Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a very common experience with autistic individuals, but it just, it frustrates me because sometimes even other autistic people don't, like, aren't at the level that I am at with my special interests, so I just feel misunderstood and I feel ignored, even when, like, autistic people specifically aren't intending to ignore me. Like you said, they'll tune in after three minutes, or they will want to change the topic because they're sick of hearing about it, or they will, like, I don't know, I don't really know how autistic people think. I can't think of a thought process because they're so obsessed with like being polite and not rude and like dancing around topics, but then they'll straight up be like, I don't want to hear about this. I'm going to like ignore you now. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? Why? And it's confusing. It's like, we're in the middle of talking about Taylor Swift. It's Taylor Swift time. Why are we not talking about Taylor Swift? Why did you change the subject? We're talking about Taylor Swift. (laughs) But it's like, it's not the same way that mutual info dumping is changing the subject Mm -hmm. because mutual info dumping is like you said it's like three minutes of me talking about Hannibal two minutes of you talking about Taylor Swift an interval five minutes of you Taylor Swift like it's Mm -hmm. back and forth and it's like whoa that's so cool did you know this but I feel like autistic people when they hear about your special interests they don't want to know and -hmm. they don't like want to relate it to anything they just want to change the subject so it's not like a subject change it's not like oh I need to think bring this up and this is cool and then you talk about your thing it's like okay anyway and it's like but I wasn't done. Mm-hmm. I, I hate that. It just feeling like I'm interrupted, but I was like, I haven't even got to the point of this whole three-minute conversation, and you just interrupted me, so now I don't even have what I was trying to say in the first place. I had to explain everything up to this point, because 
you don't know as much about Taylor Swift as I do. So, because I like, I had explained to my mom, I was like, so she was dating this guy for this many years, and then it turned out they were like off and on again. We didn't know, and she finally broke up with him, and now she's dating a different guy. And I was like, blah 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 blah. And then I was like, get into like how I think that this whole image of him might be manufactured and. It's just in the middle of talking. My mom will like just look at her phone, texting, and then we'll be, we're like, "Oh, did you do this?" And I don't really fault her for that. She has ADHD, but I, it's it's just hard sometimes. Yeah, I think my boyfriend has ADHD, and it's very difficult for me to function in a relationship where I don't. He needs to be doing something to listen to me, and I need to be listened to in a way that he cannot listen to me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I I am neurodivergent in the way that like. I'm, I feel like a lot of my things are very stereotypical autism, mm-hmm. and a lot of his things are very stereotypical ADHD. So we will be doing something, and I'll be ranting about, like, this podcast, because I really love this podcast, and I hyperfixate on it all the time. So I'll be talking about it, and he'll be on his phone, and then he'll die in his game, and he'll just be like, oh, I died, and I'll be like, what? <laughs> like, you weren't, you weren't listening? I, I did that with my fiancé, also has ADHD, and I'll be talking to him, and then he'll be like, oh! Look, there's a bug on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Okay, what did I just say? Let's walk him back. And then he's like, uh... And then he starts telling me back, and then he's like, and that's when I did it out. And then I re-explain it to him. It's just being being able to recognize that in other people. like. And so much of being autistic is, and that, that people don't understand, is we have to make ourselves more accommodated or accommodating to autistic people because our society is so centered around them. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the autistic experience is making yourself palatable and making mm-hmm. yourself consumable for other people, and sometimes that's ended with me not really knowing who I really am exactly. when I'm not masking, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've heard that from a lot of autistic people, where it's like, when you're finally done masking at the end of the day, and you're alone, or you're with someone you can unmask around, it's like, sometimes you just feel lost, and like, who even am I when I'm not pretending to be the version of me you want me to be? Exactly. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, night, afternoon, and I will see you in the next one.